Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Well, hello and welcome to the MotorWeek podcast number 38. I'm John Davis and I'm joined here in Studio C with our head writer, Shami Choksi. Hi, John. Our associate producer, Ben Davis. Oh, chilly good day to you. And our over-the-edge reporter, Stephen Chubnick. Hello. Nice to have everybody with us. Okay, we'll have our lightning round and our MotorWeek mailbag as usual. But first, what's old is new again with Buick and a new addition to the Lotus lineup. Let's start with the Buick Regal. Shamik Choksi, you had a chance to drive this new Regal. I did, and on the beautiful roads of San Diego, as a matter of fact. Let me uh, set the stage for this. Please. It is a rebadged Opel Insignia, which uh, that's a German uh, GM product. It was voted the 2009 European Car of the Year. It's the best-selling uh, mid-sized car in Europe, which means it's, it's a very large car for Europe. It uh, was developed on the uh, Nürburgring. Um, it is uh, considered a sports sedan. That is how Buick is going to sell here, which is unusual for the Buick brand, given the fact that in recent in years, they've been almost primarily totally luxury-oriented. So it's a, a little different taste, but without Pontiac, probably apropos. With that, tell us what it was like to drive it. Well, I mean, again, with the Buick brand, we've been seeing that it's going into a youthful, more yeah, it's a younger direction, uh, and this car does exactly that. It's going to appeal to a younger audience. Um, the Regal name has been gone for six years, but here it is again. It's an all-new car. Uh, has uh Two, two four-cylinder engines. It's actually powered by a four-cylinder and a turbo four. No V6s. No V6s here, and, and uh, you know we all know why uh, the fuel economy. Well, why don't you enlighten us? Well, I mean, the, the fuel economy standards that are um, being pressed upon the manufacturers are forcing them to go into a, a smaller engine direction. Uh, and uh, the, what the turbo allows is better performance and better fuel economy. And Essentially, I think also- V6 performance with force on the fuel economy. Uh, absolutely. We've seen it in the Hyundai Sonata, and we're probably going to see a lot more of it. No doubt. Uh, the car, they're actually calling this a German sports sedan. I mean, it. Ha- I. I drove it on at least, I would say, that the, the roads that they had passed out for us, there were maybe 2,000 tight turns, and this thing is, it drives beautifully. It's very tight. It's very sporty. Uh, it's um, it's very impressive. The only thing that, and, and I've taken this up with you, John, is that I don't understand why they brought the Regal name back for an all-new car when they're trying to go in a more youthful direction. Uh Regal, the Regal name just feels stodgy for what this car is today. I, I agree with that. I mean, I had problems when they used the Lacrosse name on their new car. The Lacrosse is such a great name, and the original Lacrosse was kind of a, an old, uh, uh, an old rewashed uh, mid-sized GM car that just didn't have any appeal to anyone younger than about sixty-five years old. But they have made Lacrosse work because the product's so powerful. It costs a lot of money to establish a new car name, and it I does. guess they just decided that they could do it with Regal. And after all, the Regal does have a performance heritage. Uh, but you've got to go back, uh, you know, 25 20 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's basically their explanation yeah. for it, too. But it's a beautiful car, too. It's very svelte, very uh, just styled beautifully, um, and it speaks to how it drives. Other comments? Well, if it's called a Regal... Does that mean that there's a potential for a grand national version coming up? That That's a real exciting. good, and and the answer is yes. It's going to be called the GS, GS for Grand Sport. That's right. They've already shown the concept, and it's a 
extra ultra high powered turbocharged four cylinder and i don't remember the actual output numbers but uh it uh they've already basically said they're going to build it yeah they're definitely building that that's good and yeah as a matter of fact they showed it on the event and it uh there is a a comparable opal model again i've forgotten what it's called but so again it's it's a vehicle that's already been developed they're just going to bring it over here very quickly very quickly well the the the, the Grand National was mentioned on Facebook. Uh, we we posted a picture, uh, the, the the question about this Regal, and the comments were, "This is one of the first cars that I can get in with a Buick name, and for the generation of the 20s and 30s, you won't feel embarrassed to be in the car." Um, that was <laughs> that's that a was, good point. You know, everybody like we talked about it's it's skewed older but these new buicks are uh younger and actually a lot of people commented that there is only the four-cylinder and not a v6 or v8 turbo and i think they're so. going to be surprised when they they drive it i know you were i was very surprised yeah. i couldn't believe it i mean really it's uh, they were talking it up and until you get in the car you never know uh for, for until you find out for yourself but it is the, the, the turbo especially it's got a lot of power uh on the turns it's just very tight it's uh, and i should point out it's car. probably going to be a 30 plus mile per gallon that's car. and that yeah. speaks back to the four-cylinder equation so yeah so they uh, so they got the equipment but the big thing is now to uh change everyone's opinion on the on the buick well then they've started that with yeah. the lacrosse and, and the enclave on the enclave yeah, yeah. so yeah. Uh, i think they're they're on their way they've gotten their their whatever median age down i'm sure it's still not where they'd like it to be but it's it's no longer everyone you don't have to be retired to drive a Buick anymore. Correct. Uh, let's move on to our other car, which is decidedly uh, a different kettle of fish, the Lotus Evora. Now, the Evora is the first all-new Lotus in a very long time. It shares uh, absolutely nothing with the other current Lotus models. Um, it is a 2 plus 2, so it actually has room for 4, sort of. Uh, it is still a mid-engine car, which Lotus is known for. So that makes it the only mid-engine sports car that you can buy in the world. It's substantially larger than the Elise and Exige, which are their two-play uh, sports cars. Uh, and it also has a six-cylinder engine, which the uh, Elise and Exige are four-cylinder. Having said all that, um, our exposure to the car has been very... Very, very limited. But what I saw, I liked. I mean, I actually, people are amazed when a guy my size can get into a Lotus, but I can, and, and I was, and I really enjoyed it, and I've been a Lotus fan since I was a teenager. Uh, what do you think about the the car, the, your exposure to it, the look? Do you think it has potential? Uh, the look is, is growing on me. I didn't like it at first, to be honest with you. Uh, in the dark green car that we had, I don't think it really played off the lines as well as I've seen in other pictures in it red. It was kind of a dull color. I mean, it was had shiny to it, but it, it, the car just sort of disappeared. It's a purist's color, for yeah. sure. You'd have to be a diehard Lotus fan. But, I mean, there are tons of head and foot room in there, and yep. those, those uh, Recaro seats grab like Velcro. It's, right. it, it was a lot of fun. It's funny that, that Lotus calls it. This is hilarious, a daily driver, but I think it is a daily driver. I mean, you, Much more so than the Exige. Well, the Exige and, and the Elise, you know, you get in that and it, drive around on, on our roads for a half an hour and you're rattled. You know, this yeah. thing is... There is a, a winter tire package that you can buy with it. Right. You can buy it with winter tires wow. from Yokohama. So. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about putting a, um, basically a, uh, a Toyota minivan V6 engine in it? <laughs> That's... Uh, 
then. <laughs> it didn't seem to. Whatever. I mean, they've they've done a great job with it's, it. It's the same engine from the Camry too. Yeah. I mean, it's, Camry and the uh, Lexus GS. Yes, that's right. But it's got a it's got their own engine management system with it, and it seems like they've made it work very well. Well, I, I mean, I've heard that they've been sharing. Or Toyota has been providing hardware back all the way to the Esprit days, from what That's I hear. Correct. Yeah, so yeah. it's really nothing new if you right. really do your homework on Lotus. Well, our, our beloved Brian Robinson spent the most time with this car, and I've spoken to him quite a bit about it, and uh, he was impressed on all fronts. I mean, he just think it's everything's a good match for itself. You know, it's interesting. We, it's an expensive car, seventy five thousand dollars. Right. However, when you look at the world of exotic cars and rarity and exclusivity, it's a steal. It is. You know, it so. is. It's still an exotic. Absolutely. The back seat is funny, though, because you, you really, it's not a back seat. If, no. you, if you're four feet, eight inches, maybe it's a back seat. I, it's an optional back seat, too. Though. It is an optional back seat. That's right. Only 4,000 units a year, so it'll stay pretty rare. Yeah. Well, Ben, you mentioned the color, and uh, I was up in Cleveland recently and saw one in yellow, mm-hmm. and it just—you could—I mean, it was sitting, it was parked in a in a lot, and it just—you just screamed. Nice, like that's the color that it should be compared to the green one, the British racing green that we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, ironically, too, the British racing green will probably be the most sought after in Absolutely. years to come. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the one that everybody it's will want. Pretty rare. Yeah. Okay, let's turn now to our uh, Motor Week uh, lightning round. We've got two minutes to debate this question before uh, Michelle Parker, our producer, rings that bell. All right. As we all know, recently Ford Motor Company announced that their Mercury brand was going to be discontinued in the end of this year. So they've gone the way of Oldsmobile, Plymouth, and Pontiac. Good move or bad move for Ford? Um, can I start? Sure. <laughs> I think contraction is the way to go for for a lot of these companies right now. I mean, the there's too many brands to manage, and that's what's falling apart for them. So for them to have less to concentrate on, uh, it makes sense. Now, if you look at uh, Ford's lineup, Mercury seemed like the logical well, one sure. to have to go. So um, it's it's a sad thing whenever you see a brand go, especially I think a lot of us were sad to see Pontiac go on the show. Well, the I think side. Pontiac, personally, I've, I've said that Pontiac, I think, was a mistake. But Mercury, Pontiac was selling actually pretty well. Mercury, they were down to 80,000, 90,000 sales a year. Right. Uh, most Ford and Lincoln dealers were now together, so there was no real reason to have Mercury. It was only the brand was developed just to provide some um, volume for Lincoln dealers. Uh, so, and, and in recent years, they've basically just been rebadged Fords. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, as I hate to see a, a brand die, but of all brands that have died recently, it seems to be the one that will be the least missed. Mm-hmm. I'd have to agree with that, too, yeah. yeah. It's not like they were pulling uh, Holdens and stuff like GM was in the Pontiac division, different brands from other other countries. And, and they certainly yeah. tried plenty of stuff over the years. Everybody remembers the Mercours, uh, yeah. you know, the European Fords that were brought in. And, um, you know, back in the days when they were doing, when the Cougar was first came out, you know, even though that was based on a Mustang, it was a different car, and right. it had a, a great following. But in recent years... Really, uh, they basically were rebadged Fords, and they sold mostly to an older clientele. And being, I think, what it was it, one percent or a very tiny percentage of Fords overall sales, uh, you know, except for the dealers, there's about 300 dealers left hanging. I don't think it'll be missed. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the, our Facebook uh, clientele or, or fans. Uh, it was a mixed bag. We had really? a huge response immediately after after the the announcement, and 
I say it was about 50-50 of people who were sad to see it go. You seen that? Some people were happy to see it go. And I had one person called called it the better the better looking twin of the of Ford, but, <laughs> it, but it had to go. Um, but it, but it, yeah, everybody was extremely vocal about it. That's it. So. Very polarized. very polarized. Very interesting. Okay, next on to our Motor Week mailbag. Let me remind you that if you've got a question that you'd like to submit for our podcast, visit our MotorWeek.org website. You can submit your question. If chosen, you'll get a free Motor Week T-shirt. No response. Come on, guys. You'd all like to have one. All right, here's the question. This is from Vincent. He asks, why are speedometers on a street-legal car calibrated to 150 miles per hour, or more, I might add? Now, even Montana has a speed limit that's under 100 miles per hour. So why do you think they put these uh, 150, 180, and 200-mile-per-hour speedometers in cars? I, I mean, I, the, I think the answer is in the question here. I, 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 you know, you can first of all, you can take your street legal car into a track. You can take your street legal car to Europe if you want to. Uh, I don't think a car needs to be engineered to what our speed limits are. Our speed oh, limits on. change this, all the you're time. You're making it too complicated. It's marketing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, absolutely. When you were a little kid, you always used to peek in and see what the speedometer went up to, and you thought it went that fast. Do, do you, anybody here, you guys are all too young to remember when it was legislated that speedometers could only read to 85 miles an hour. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Back in the 60s, I think. And, and it was every speedometer, that was it, 85. Some legislator in Washington thought that was a great idea. So you had these cars that could do 120 or 130, and so you'd pin the needle. Well, <laughs> I didn't, but a lot of people did. And that went away because it was simply stupid. It's a marketing thing. I mean, I think there are cars, obviously, that can do that, as you say, on a track. Yeah, but let's face it. You know, who wants a car that's only got a speedometer that goes to eighty-five miles an hour? <laughs> it's bragging rights. That's right. Anyway, Vincent, I think with the exception, Shamit's got a point about taking him on the racetrack, but I think most of it is um, just for show. Anything on that, Stephen? I, I mean, I think when you see, like, like Ben said, I said when you see a car that the speedometer says you know one eighty, one ninety, it doesn't matter if you can go that fast. No. Is it just the fact that a car can possibly go that fast is just kind of cool. And accurately recorded. Correct. <laughs> yeah, for everybody to see. All right, I want to thank uh, Shamit Choksi, Ben Davis, and Stephen Chupnik for joining us for this Motor Week podcast. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, David Wainwright, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and, of course, our lady with the bell, our producer, Michelle Parker. 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 It's so cold in the studio. She's got a Parker on. Please join us next time for more Motor Week podcasts, and we'll see you on Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.